welcome to another episode of Strange Days Live. It's Tuesday, February the 6th, 2024. Brought to you from California. How are you guys doing tonight? Hope you guys are doing well. Maintaining dry if you're in the East Coast, excuse me, in the West Coast of the U.S. As we are encountering a lot of rain here, but... According to what I saw today, it should be the last day of rain. And in my side of the state, it wasn't too bad. Excuse me. And it was raining. Uh, you know, the rain brings life. <clears throat> I enjoy the rain. I like the feeling that rain brings. I like the way the light filters on a rainy day as the sun sets. Uh, it's a magical sort of glow, if you will. And uh, I quite enjoy the rain. <clears throat> Obviously, some people are hit with higher uh, rain capacity that we did here, but uh, I hope they're doing well as well, and I hope you guys out there are doing well. Today, we're going to sort of change things up a little bit, as we do uh, occasionally on the show, and I'm going to dedicate a show just to start read scary stories online. Um, I enjoy these, uh, you know as we all do, fascinating by scary stories, paranormal type dealios, and the unexplained. So, and I think for, for the next few days, I'm gonna just dive into reading scary stories. Um, we all enjoy them, and uh, gives me some time to do other stuff behind the scenes, try to get this show where I wanted to, to, to get it, and that is into a functional, call-in show, I um, I was able to create <clears throat> and um, repost all my old Art Bell stuff. I opened up a new channel. Uh, go ahead and, uh, as you guys all know, this this channel was originally an Art Bell channel dedicated to any, everything and anything Art Bell. And so I said, you know, I have all these videos and I started uploading them to a new channel. It's called Art Bell Gold. So if you go to YouTube, search for Art Bell Gold. And slowly but surely, that channel will get populated with uh, all the things that brought you into this channel originally. I have a bunch of shows, over 100 shows. I have a lot of archive shows. Um, and I'm going to make it as interactive as possible as well. So go ahead and uh, help me out by joining that side of the Art Bell uh, lore. Uh, continue to recommend this show as well. And uh, continue to join us daily, uh, you know, because it helps all of us. helps me to stay motivated <clears throat> and to stay on the road to achieve the goal of this becoming a call-in show one day. I'm going to share the link here for our show in order for you guys to join us if you wish you can come in and we can talk about scary stories together or you can call us at 1951 area code 888 two ways to join us and actually let's see here There's also a fourth way. If you scan the QR code 
on the top right hand corner uh, you can join us via our <clears throat> whatsapp app so there's a bunch of ways for you guys to get connected to the show and I'll just wait a little bit here until we start getting a little bit more populated so we can get going. Okay, here we go. So the WhatsApp, it's already up. <laughs> uh, so WhatsApp for you guys that are calling um, and you don't want to utilize your personal cell phone. three one three let's see perfect hey jd good to have you here as always thank you for being a faithful listener of the show i was just uh mentioning that i i uh recreated the a youtube channel dedicated to all, all things art bell so if you want to guys go ahead and subscribe it's uh, art bell gold so it's YouTube forward slash at Art Bell Gold. That's where we're going to ca- have a repository of uh, all the Art Bell videos <clears throat> that used to be on this channel get translated or moved into the other channel. <clears throat> or you can go ahead and join us uh, on the show as well. So we're going to start today's shows with a story called The Walking Dead. I'm a psychiatrist nurse. And early in my career, I worked at a residential mental health facility. One of our residents was an elective mute, which means that he didn't, wouldn't, couldn't talk, but there were no medical reasons as to why. He had spoken earlier in his life and in fact seemed quite normal back then, with the exception of being close to seven feet tall. He'd been raised in the Deep South and joined the military when he was 19 years of age. But one night, he completely vanished. He was declared AWOL and eventually he was declared missing and dead. Ten years later, a seven-foot tall man walked into the VA hospital emergency room in my part of the Midwest and said to the receptionist, My name is Marion Duchesne. Not his real name, but for the purpose of the story, we'll keep him Mr. Duchesne. And I've been dead for ten years. Those were the last words he ever spoke. He was covered with dust, and he was wearing the same clothes he's been reported to be wearing the night he vanished. His social security number had not been used, and he had no ID on his person. However, they were able to identify via fingerprints. The family was notified, but they said they had already grieved their lost man and that whoever was claiming to be him simply could not be. They demanded not to be contacted again and hung up the phone. Marion paced all day, every day, moving his mouth that looked like a talking or muttering, but no sound came out of it. He had an unnerving habit of throwing his head back with his mouth wide open as if he were laughing, hardly but not even a breath could be heard. If I was to talk to him, he appeared to listen, periodically throwing his head back in laughter and mimicking ways of his. Various medications were tried, but they did not affect him, either positively or negatively. Occupational therapy did nothing because Marion would just grin, and unless told to stay put, he'd get up and start pacing again. 
On my last day at the job, the last thing I saw was Marion, pacing in the parking lot, throwing his head back to laugh. Later, I wonder if all along I've been dealing with a ghost. All these years later, I still don't know. That was the Walking Dead story. You ever pin stuff in the community tab? JD says, no, but I will pin this. Uh, Let me go here. This is in regards to the current show. Let me just refresh this. Here we go. I know how to do a lot of things when it comes to... uh, Pin, I'm going to pin the message. I don't know if, if, if that's what you mean. <clears throat> but anyways, yeah. So just uh, go ahead and uh, you guys join that channel. This That channel is going to be dedicated to all the things Art Bell. And I'm putting all the shows back on on that different channel. Uh, it's called, uh, it's a YouTube channel. It's called Art Bell Gold. Okay. Hi, Micaela. Good evening. Welcome to have you on the show. Okay, so we're doing scary stories today, and I'm telling people that we I created another channel to put all my old Art Bell stuff. That's uh, it's it's called Art Bell Gold. So I guess if you let me just see if it would work if you do a if you do art, it's a new channel, so I don't know if it will come up yet, but you can look it up at. No, it's not. It's not coming up yet. Uh, it's too new of a channel. Oh no, here it does come up. Uh, it has a. Okay, here we go. Yeah. Art Bell Gold, and it, uh, it's way down the line, but yeah, it comes up the channel. It's just gonna have like a gold picture of Art Bell. If you guys wanna join that channel, because I'm gonna be putting all the Art Bell stuff back in there. So, going back to today's uh, stories, uh, they're all scary stories, and we'll keep going. If you guys wanna call the show or scan the little uh, QR code, you guys can join me on WhatsApp or you guys can come directly into the show if you wanna share some of your scary stories. Okay, now I got like three tabs open, here we go, okay. Let me see what other kind of stories. This next story is titled, It Came For Us in the Graveyard. We were driving my friend's really old beat-up Subaru through a massive graveyard. We stopped and walked down a hill and came across a little pond. There was someone sitting on a rock on the other side of the pond. The figure was all black and we couldn't make out any features other than the fact it looked like a man who had been wearing some old-style top hat. We stupidly waved and shouted, Hi! He didn't show any sign of acknowledgement and continued still sitting on the rock. All of a sudden, he jumped to his feet, started running to us on the water, and then vanished about halfway through the pond. My friends and I screamed, and I ran back to the car. car wouldn't start, and we heard something banging on the back of the car. It wasn't a constant bang, but every few seconds or so, we'd hear it. Nobody was outside for what we could see in the dark, but something was making a noise on the car. I opened up my phone and started dialing my mom to come give us a boost, but I had no service. None of us had any cell servers at all. The next 30 minutes we spent trying to get uh, her car started. 
No banging was heard afterwards, but we felt this heavy pressure around us. Finally, the cart started and I hit the gas pedal to the metal. We sped out the graveyard so fast, immediately crossing the gates and all of our phones regained cell service. One thing I know for certain is that someone or something was out there and it was neither animal nor human. Scary, huh? <laughs> we'll keep going. One second. Sorry, my girls are yelling in the background. I got to tell them, hey, be quiet. All right, so let's go back to the nines. Michaela, Michaela, I'm going to say, because I, I got a Spanish accent. I can't I can help it. Okay, so let's see. Michaela has another good paranormal stories. Call in. Uh, she already... All right, so JD and uh, Miguel are going back and forth here. They're too shy. I know Miguel is not shy. She's been here before. And J I think it's JD time to stand up to the plate. If you want to go ahead and click on the link and you can come on the show and tell me some of your scary stories, okay? There we go. There's a link for you guys. So these stories are kind of, I thought they were going to be better, to be honest with you. Let's see if I can find some good stuff. It's better when somebody tells their personal scary stories. I don't really have many. Um, but, you know, I bet you guys do. Okay, so this one's looked like there's going to be some good scary stories. So bear with me a minute here. Okay, let's see. This one is titled The Little Hands. I've never lived in a haunted house, but my mother did as a teen. Other houses on her street had strange things going on too. A few homes away from her lived a family, and one night the daughter went to bed with a bad headache. The next day, she was dead. She passed away from an aneurysm. After her funeral, the family went away to get their minds off the tragedy. And the father asked my uncle, who was my mom's brother, to check on their pets. My mom and dad, who were dating at the time, went with him. My mother had heard that there was a grand piano and she wanted to play it. My dad was studying to be a veterinarian at the time. After entering the house, my uncle and my father headed to the basement to see the animals. And my mother went to the piano on the ground floor. She was playing it when she felt something brush her ankles. She thought it must have been a cat uh, because the basement door was open. She kept playing, ignoring it, and then she felt it again. She looked under the piano and saw nothing. When she stared again, she felt hands clasp her legs tightly. She dashed to the basement door, called my uncle and father, and waited for them. Back outside, my uncle could tell my mom was rattled and asked her what was wrong. She told them what had happened and he turned white. He told her that the daughter who had died used to play a game with her father. When he played the piano, she would crawl underneath, grab his uncles, and put his feet up and down on the pedals. Hmm...
The next story is called The Phantom Patient. The ambulance company that I used to work for had a haunted ambulance, rig number 12. A lot of EMTs had stories about the same rig, but I never put so much stock in the paranormal stuff. That is until I had my own experience riding a rig 12. My partner and I were working in a rural community, and at 3 a.m. in the morning, it was pitch dark and completely quiet. We were kind of both dozing on and off, and I was in the driver's seat, and uh, my partner was in the passenger seat. I woke up to a muffled voice, but I thought my partner was talking. I told her I was trying to sleep and closed my eyes. I distinctly heard a male voice say, Oh my, am I dying? Followed by a few seconds of heavy breathing, my partner and I sat up straight and looked back into the patient compartment where it sounded like a voice was coming out of. Things were quiet for a couple of seconds, then we heard the click of an oxygen bottle of regulator and a hiss, as if it was leaking. I turned on the lights and we ran out of the rig. I thought a transient might have climbed in while we were asleep, so we opened the rear doors, but nobody was there. I checked the oxygen bottles. Neither of them were open. We didn't sleep much after that. That's kind of unnerving, right? If you're working and all of a sudden the rig you're in happens to be haunted. Hmm. The Eerie Attic. This was from a Reddit user. Let's see here. A few years ago, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Melbourne, Australia. It was my first time living on my own. The apartment block had been built in the 1930s. It'd been there for a few mo- I had been there for a few months when I came home from work one day and went into the bathroom. I saw something very strange, a wooden board, which had covered a hole in the ceiling that led to a small attic space, laid fractured into two pieces on the ground. I examined the pieces. The board was an uh, inch thick and it would have to take Bruce Lee to break it. I thought the landlord had sent somebody to work on the attic, so I paid not much attention. But then I was frozen with fear. I heard sounds. Somebody is up there for sure, I thought. Could it be the landlord? Could it be somebody fixing something? My thoughts raced. After a while, nobody came down and the noise stopped. I emailed pictures of the roof to the landlord asking if if anybody had been up there and if they'd gotten out uh, possibly through another exit. Her reply read, please call me as soon as you are able to. Nothing else. I called and she explained to me that her last two tenants had said the same thing happened in their apartment. And she promised me to replace the board. And she did replace it. A month later, I woke up one night around four in the morning. For some reason, my body was covered in goosebumps. I was sweating profusely and I felt like somebody was rubbing uh, his or her or her hands on my chest. Everything was silent. By then I heard a dragging sound coming from above my bed in the roof. It was as if someone was pulling up a sack of potatoes or carrying something in my attic. I froze, convinced somebody was up there. There is no way... Any kind of animal could make that sound. After five minutes, I woke up the courage to turn on the lights. I uh, 
armed myself with a baseball bat and walked to the bathroom. Then, when I heard another noise, that's when I saw that the new board covering the hole was again broken into. I felt very sick to my stomach. I felt nauseous, cold sweat was pouring from my forehead. The dragging sound had stopped by this time, but I heard something else, a whispering. The sound was clear and was coming from the attic. It sounded like children's voices, and I could hear one sentence kept repeating over and over and over. It said, it's your turn. It's your turn. I switched on every light in the apartment to make things feel normal. It was about 5 a.m. and it was still dark outside. I uh, tried to watch TV and unwind to get my mind off of this craziness. But then a fuse, a fuse, a fuse blew out. I had a pet uh, parrot at the time named Dexter, who I kept in the kitchen. Usually he never made a sound at night, but he started squawking like he was being strangled. My nerves were through the roof. I've never heard him make those sorts of noises before. And I was sincerely panicking. He was screaming by this time. I grabbed my car keys, ran out, left my bird inside, sat on my cart and waited until the sun came up. When I saw people walking their dogs in the morning, this comforted me enough to go back in and see what was going on. The front door was still open, but I figured I might have forgotten to close it when I ran out. So I went to the kitchen to check on Dexter, but he wasn't on his cage. I felt sick again, anxious and covered in dry, sticky, cold sweat. All my windows were closed, so I looked everywhere inside. And when I walked to the bathroom, I heard splashing. Dexter, my bird, was half drowned in the toilet. I took him out, washed him and dried him. And I was super, super confused. I waited a few hours. And at 9 a.m., I called the landlord and gave her a watered-down version of what had happened that night. Her reply, oh, wow, you heard the whispering too, she said. Yes, I replied. I ended up staying, believe it or not, in that apartment for 18 months, and I heard the whisperings on a few occasions after that. And twice, the board covering the hole in the ceiling moved or broke Although now I'm living elsewhere, the landlord recently called me and she said that her new tenants have begged to speak with me about some of the stuff that's been going on there. I said, forget it, hung up the phone and replied to myself, not my problem anymore. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how, how this, I don't know how people could live in a haunted house. There's no way I would stay there. Um, let alone 18, 18 more months, I would be checking out of there with a quickness next story is called the boys with no eyes these are reddit stories guys reddit scary stories that i chose to share with you tonight um and for those that are new listeners or coming in listeners i uh, also um i have uh, i posted all my old art bell stuff on a, on a different youtube channel i know you guys uh like uh this channel prior because we had a whole bunch of art bill archives so i said uh, why not repost everything and so i did and you guys if you guys join that other channel it would help me a lot um the other channel i'm posting it right now in our comment section it's called 
Art Bell Gold. So you go to youtube.com forward slash at, and then you put Art Bell Gold, and you'll join that channel and you get to listen to all the archives and future shows as well. And if you're interested in sharing your own gold story, go ahead and uh, click on the link to join us in the show. All right. Thank you for subscribing, Mr. JD. I appreciate you. Let's go on with the scary stories. The boys with the boy with no eyes. One night when I was 10, I was woken up by my bedroom door opening, followed by somebody sitting on my bed. Oof. I felt my legs grazed and the bed sunk under a person's weight. Is it mom? I thought, and I opened up my eyes. It was not mom. I found an eyeless boy who had black empty sockets where the eye should be. He was about my age, 10 years old, and he was sitting at the foot of my bed. I tried to scream, but nothing would come out. I tried to move, but my body would not react. He seemed confused when he looked at me, and he made a gesture by extending his hands to me. And it was, in his hands, he had a little uh, box. Um, I was startled, couldn't do anything. I tried uh, to reach out as I was trying to get a hold of my nerves, but he suddenly pulled back. I reached again and I said, could I have it? And then I blinked. And when I reopened my eyes, in an instant, he was gone. I knew it wasn't a dream because I had been aware of everything that had been going on. And I could tell that I was awake because I was in a sitting position. The weirdest thing was that I could still see the imprint in my bed where he had sat. Fast forward five years. My girlfriend came by my house to do homework. I was still living in the same room. After she finished, uh, she decided to take a nap in my bed while we waited for her parents to come pick her up. When they arrived, I tried waking her up. She opened her eyes suddenly, looking up at the corner where the wall met the ceiling, and she pointed there and went back to sleep. I was kind of confused. I thought she was maybe having some kind of uh, episode of sleepwalking. So I shook her a little bit hard and she finally woke up and gained full consciousness. And I explained to her what she had done. She looked haunted. Upon the wall, she said, I saw a little boy with no eyes. He was there in a Spider-Man pose staring at me. I freaked out to her when I told her my story about the encounter with the same little boy years ago. Fast forward another five years, and I was with the same girlfriend, and we had a two-year-old by this time. We were no longer, I was no longer uh, living with my parents, but we were uh, living uh, in another house. Uh, we decided to spend the night, and my daughter uh, got my old room. And she started waking up at the same time every night, and she started talking. My Both my wife in a separate room, uh, as we were staying over the weekend at my, my parents' house, started to hear our daughter talk. And after a while, I noticed that she had almost the same conversation every night. The next morning, I playfully asked her once whom she was talking to at night, and she said, it was a little boy. He's nice. He's lost and is looking for his mommy. My wife and I froze. My daughter's nightly conversation continued until we got our... We went back to our old place after that weekend. 
because she had been talking to the no-eyed boys. Very scary stuff. The Ashley Street Ghost Huntington College is one of just many haunted colleges in America, each with its own ghost stories. This next true tale comes from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. The haunting happened in 1972 at a party hosted by the University of Michigan students living on Ashley Street. A 15-year-old girl, who probably had no business being there in the first place, suddenly felt a strange bone-chilling cold, according to the story published in the Michigan Daily in an attempt to warm up, she went upstairs because heat rises. <laughs> That's when things really went awry. One of the walls of the house started moving, and a black shadow approached the girl. Meanwhile, downstairs, uh, downstairs posters were spontaneously popping off the walls and falling into a growing pile on the floor. The girl wandered back downstairs, where she found herself saying these strange words. The drugs and addiction were my fault, and I accept responsibility for that. But I was not that way deep down inside, and I want to apologize to everybody involved for what I have done. What made those words even stranger was that the girl was 15, and she did not do any drugs, let alone have any addictions. Her words didn't seem all that strange to the students who lived in that place, however, because... They moved in. The house had been inhabited by a man with a very serious addiction. The reason he no longer lived there, he had died of a heroin overdose. Was he speaking through this little girl trying to send a message? Weird stories. Let's see. Gonna try to go to another site. See, right, let's call this. This story is get got obtained from Quora, Quora.com. You know, Quora is a site where you can actually ask questions and people will reply to you. Uh, the title of this question was, "What real life horror stories have you heard that still gives you the chills?" And poster Geronimo Stilton replied, uh, "This is a true story." We were staying in this fancy hotel for my cousin's wedding. I was 12. I woke up to a rough, a rough shove, excuse me, rough shove, assuming that my sister was waking me up. It was early morning, about 7.30. I stepped out of the bed and was hit with hairspray fumes. I heard the sound of somebody taking a shower, as well as loud, hurried footsteps and repetitive spritzes of the hairspray can coming from the bathroom. I walked to the dresser and pulled out a blouse and a skirt. I got dressed and I heard knocking on my door. I pulled my top fully on and opened the door. There was nobody there. I was kind of freaking out right now. Where was my sister and who knocked on the door? But I knew that it must be my imagination or thought. I was about half asleep at the time, but I couldn't guess who was the one that woke me up. I exited the bedroom very confused and I heard the shower shut off as I passed uh, the bathroom. Then my father's heavy footsteps were coming up the uh, coming up the steps. At the end of the hall, there was another restroom. I heard again repetitive spritzes coming from there, and called to my mom. I said, "Hey, mom, I need to uh, use the restroom, uh, and my dad's in the other bathroom." And I heard my mom's voice say, "All right." It was definitely her voice, but "all right" was not something she had ever said before. I rolled my eyes and walked away. I figured that I should uh, wake my granddad. 
as things were kind of getting strange and I heard heavy snores coming from his room that he was sharing with my parents. I wonder why my parents hadn't woke him up. When I opened the door, I was scared to see that the room was empty. Just then, the noises and the smell of hairspray altogether stopped. I frantically ran downstairs and saw that my roommates, my dad, my mom, my granddad, and my sister, were already eating breakfast. I checked my watch and saw that it was already 10 a.m. My mom stared at me with a confused look, I thought, and my sister then said, What the heck? I asked him what was wrong. My sister then said, you literally just went to the bathroom and pointed to the bathroom next to the small kitchen area. I walked over there and pressed my ear to the door. Sure enough, somebody was in there. Obviously, it wasn't me, but they were washing their hands because I can hear the water running. I shook it off and counted my fingers, <laughs> 10 of them. I wasn't dreaming. I knocked on the door and inside the bathroom, I heard my own voice calling out, all righty. I looked over at my parents, I looked over at my sister and my granddad who were all pale. Behind my back I heard the lock click, followed by my own voice saying hey there Sarah and footsteps. I turned around just in time to see my, my own feet dressed in my black velvet flats turning the corner on the staircase. I felt paralyzed with fear. I had goosebumps everywhere. My family were all freaking out. I wasn't able to move for about a minute before I told my family all that had happened prior to me coming down the stairs before the first time. My sister told me that yesterday when she woke up, I wasn't in my bed and that she heard noises coming from the bathrooms as well. And that when she went there, she saw me walking down the hall in my pajamas and she had called out to me, but I kept walking. When she went back to my room, I was still sleeping in my bed. She freaked out and didn't tell anybody. Fast forward two years later, my cousin now has a six month old baby and we're talking to, uh, we were talking to each other. Uh, about strange things that had happened. I told my cousin about what happened to me and my sister, and then she froze. That happened to you too, she said. I felt the goosebumps return to my arms and legs. She then told me that she had woken up and walked downstairs when she saw her fiance, who's now her husband, sitting at the table eating cereal, just like I had seen my parents and grandparents. He greeted her, then he said he was going to get something from upstairs. I took him some time, eventually, she sort of felt concerned and went in to check on him and he was now sleeping with his pajamas on. To me, this house had some kind of time slips, something weird was happening, but there was so many witnesses and this is a true story. And to this day, we cannot explain what happened. Kind of weird stories, time slips and everything. All right, let's see here. Hey, Diggs, how are you? Hey, Widow, good to have you guys on the show, man. So for those people that came in a little bit late, I wanted to tell you that um, I uh, recreated a YouTube channel uh, that had all my art belt stuff that I had from before. I, I moved it to a different channel. If you guys want to go there and join it, uh, I'm going to be posting uh, back uh, all the art belt stuff there. And uh, the channel is uh, it will be youtube.com forward slash at artbellgold. So go ahead and join that channel. It would help me a lot. YouTube.com forward slash at artbell.gold. Oh, excuse me, artbellgold altogether. 
uh, and I'll be posting some cool stuff, whatever I can find uh, that hasn't been reposted a million times. I'll be putting it um, back on that channel for you guys so you can enjoy it. Um, let's see if we can find some other cool, scary stories. And if you guys have scary stories, call us, call me, and we can um, we can discuss it here because i know you guys have probably seen some weird stuff or maybe you've heard of a of a scary story let me see here all right let's see this one i had a black cat called casper we adopted her after she ran away from the previous owner she was missing four days before the previous owner found her in the bushes skittish and frightened after carrying her home, the owner discovered she was allergic to cats when her arm broke out with rashes. So she put out a call for a new home, which was answered by my animal-loving family. That's how we got hold of Casper. For ages, she was scared to come near anybody and was totally uh, adverse to being petted. Eventually, she turned into a total ham, <laughs> never missing the chance to jump at you and lie with you. We loved her and I loved her heaps. Then one day, she lost the use of her back legs. Not long after, she passed away. I was having a rough time then and she was a big comforter. The point is, my parents and I were very sad a few days after. I was sitting in my front steps having a smoke and I hear a meowing sound, identical to my cat Casper's sound, even though she had passed away. I looked out the front porch and there at the gate was a cat meowing at me that looked exactly like Casper. I went over and it ran away. I looked down the street after it and it was completely gone. I mentioned it to my parents. They both said the same thing happened to each of them separately, which was a surprise to them too. Now, could it be a similar cat from the neighborhood? But it only happened once to each of us and then uh, we've never seen it again. Hmm. Let's see. Let me look else. That was from a website. Okay. I should have. That's 11 horror stories here. Allow. So many stuff to click. Ooh, this is pretty freaky. This is a true story. Anatoly Moskvin seemed like a smart guy, according to the Daily Beast. The college professor and Russian journalist had mastered 13 languages, but he also had a very peculiar hobby. He was self-dubbed a necropolist or an expert, expert on cemetery. Mr. Moskvin was so fascinated, fascinated by cemeteries, in fact, that he visited 752 of them in and around his hometown. He wrote lengthy reports with titles like the Great Walks Around Cemetery and What's What the Dead Say that were published on a weekly newspaper called the Necrologies. Apparently, this curiosity was tied directly to an incident from his own childhood, which he divulged in his last contribution to the paper on October 26th of 2011. When Mr. Moskovin was 13 years old, a group of men stopped him and forced him to join a funeral 
and to kiss the dead girl who was an 11-year-old on the lips. I kissed her once, then again, then again, he wrote. The girl's mother then placed a wedding ring on, on his and her daughter's fingers. Moscovin wrote that this strange marriage was useful and spurned an irrevocable lifelong fascination with the dead. Mr. Moskvin began writing about the dead and took a vivid fascination in taking detailed notes on each cemetery that he visited. He even spent a night in the coffin of a dead person ahead of their funeral. It was when locals actually found the graves of their loved ones had been desecrated and dug up in 2009 that Mr. Moskvin's hobby became untenable. The Russian government had no leads, but they were sure extremists were to blame prior to finding out the real culpable party. Until 2011, nobody had any inkling who the culprit, uh, the culprit was for this lack of uh, cemetery abuses and desecrations. But when the police heard that um, Mr. Uh, the Muslim graves were being desecrated in, uh, in Nitsi Norgorov following a terrorist attack in Moscow, they finally were able to catch a break. They found that Mr. Moskvin painted over the picture of dead Muslims while he wasn't really desecrating the bodies themselves. Authorities arrested him and searched his apartment. So he was breaking into graves, opening them and painting the faces of people that were of Muslim descent, women, and decorating their faces with paint. Then... They stumble upon another secret of Mr. Moskvin. He had not only desecrated graves, but he also had countless life-size dolls which litter his apartment. The dolls' hands were covered in fabric and makeup covered their faces. It quickly became apparent that these were not inanimate objects. These were in fight, these were in fact the mummified corpses of human girls. He was not only desecrating graves and painting faces, but he was also stealing the bodies and placing them all around his apartment as though they were living dolls. When police tried to move them, music began to blare. Mosfin had embedded music boxes in the chest cavity of these dolls. A dried human heart and a piece of gravestone were found in the home as well. The corpses were stuffed with rags. The remaining eye sockets were filled with buttons or toy eyes. And Mr. Mosfin asked if he would watch cartoons with them and that he dug them up because he felt very lonely and had an attraction after the weird marriage to an 11-year-old corpse years before. He said his biggest dream was to have children and that he had been waiting for science to figure out how to revive the dead. His parents had no idea what was going on. They assumed their son had a hobby of building large playthings or even mannequins. In court, their son confessed to 44 counts of abusing graves, abusing dead bodies as well. I still find it hard to grasp the scale of a sickening world. For nine years, he was living with mummified daughters in his own bedroom, said Miss Natalia Shardimova, the mother of Moscow first victim. I had her for 10 years, and he had her for nine. Despite psychiatrists claiming that Moscovin's condition is improving nowadays, 
prosecutors had agreed with Shardimova and have continued to keep him safely removed from society. That's a true story, folks. Let's see here. Help Me is the title of this next scary story. A few years ago, my boss went on holiday for a couple of weeks to Spain. Midway through the holiday, he got a phone call from the police informing him that his sister had passed away in a fire near her flat. So he was left without any other options, canceled his vacation and rushed back home early to deal with the police and the passing of his uh, sister, along with everything else that that entails. My employers told him to take some time off to grieve, which he duly did. When he came back to work on a Monday morning a few weeks later, we invited him into our coffee room to talk to him and offer him our sympathies, our condolences, and support. About half an hour later, he excused himself and started to work. He walks into his office, sits down at his desk, turned on his computer and checked to see if there were any answer phone messages. At the very first message he played, he heard his sister screaming down the phone, help me, help me, I am trapped and I cannot breathe. This still sends chills down my spines when I think about it. As you can imagine, we were all traumatized. True story, again. Let me hear, man, that the, let's man the ship. All right, guys, I hope you're enjoying the stories here. Today's a scary story Tuesday. Uh, if you guys have any stories of your own, go ahead and click on the link and join me and we can share them together. Um, other than that, I want you guys to also um, join... Okay, I want you guys to join uh, our new channel that uh, has all my old Art Belt stuff. You can go to youtube.com forward slash at Art Bell Gold. One word, Art Bell Gold. Join us. And um, yeah, let's see what we can do with that channel. <clears throat> now let's get back to the scary, shall we? The Voice. My grandfather told me this story about how one time he was sitting in a chair in front of the house when he heard his wife repeatedly calling him from inside the house. The thing is, my grandmother passed away a few years before that. But he told me that the voice was so pressing that he actually got up to look inside that house as though my grandma had somehow came back to life. And as soon as he got inside, he heard a loud crash behind him. He turned around to see that the chair he had been sitting in a moment ago had been crushed by the cast iron gutter that fell on it. If he had never come inside to check on the voice, he would have probably been seriously injured, perhaps could have passed away. Every time I think about this, I thank my grandma. Car at a red light. Driving home with a buddy from the high school summer job at a local amusement park at about 3 o'clock in the morning, there was no traffic at all. 
We happen to get stuck at a red light that never ends, and while we are still waiting, another car out of nowhere suddenly pulls up next to us. It was a big black hearse, in immaculate condition, with a clown in the driver's seat, with full makeup and full costume. He never moved, didn't look at us, stared simply straight ahead the whole time. My friend and I were unnerved and felt very uneasy. Instead of going straight like I should have, I made a right turn. A couple of blocks down the road, we see the hearse following us at a close distance. I sped up, but lo and behold, there's a red light ahead. We look back and we see for three seconds the headlights of the hearse. All of a sudden, the headlights go off and the car vanished. My friend and I could not believe what was happening. We know we were tired, but this is something that we both experienced. Never saw the hearse again. Oh. When I was in school in a dorm for two years in college, a girl who had been having stress uh, issues due to uh, finally snapped. She was found by somebody in a dark st uh, stairwell. I guess uh, it was an older dorm that had that was built in the 1800s. So there was plenty of nook and crannies for people uh, to hide, if you will. By the time she was found, she had already turned out uh, over half of her hair and had eaten it. And she kept on saying, I just need a haircut in a perfectly normal voice. It took six of us and the police to finally sedate her and to get her down from the nook that she had been stuck in for a few days into the ambulance. To this day, I cannot forget how powerful she was. She couldn't have weighed over 120 pounds, yet she had this sort of supernatural ability to rip her arms away and tear them from another uh, people trying to grab her. Everything she was doing was with a perfectly straight face. On September 2014, a Utah boy discovered his parents and three brothers deceased after arriving home. The Salt Lake Tribune reported finding a to-do list in the house, which included tasks like feed the pets and find somebody to watch the house written on it. They found uh, the found list gave the impression that the parents were preparing to go on vacation. However, there was no suicide note, no warning that they would have to be doing any self-harm, and there was no explanation, just a list. After autopsies, it was revealed that the five family members consumed a lethal concoction of drugs that same day. However, why and how the parents and kids consumed this remains a mystery to this day. Sometimes later, uh, the police revealed more terrifying information about the findings. According to the family member's statement, the parents' motivations include believing that the world was ending, was near, and frequently spoke, spoke about leaving this world, apparently scared of an impending apocalypse. On November 10, 1923, Nathan Leopold committed to travel six hours from Chicago to the University of Michigan. Accompanied by his friend and lover, Richard Loeb, they intended to break into Loeb's former fraternity. 
but they all had taken, but all they had taken was a typewriter, a few watches and some peng knives and around $80 in loose change. Leopold was agitated on the way back to Chicago because the robbery had been a big effort for a small payoff. When Leopold finally stopped complaining, Loeb began to discuss his idea of committing the quote-unquote perfect crime. While they continued to travel through the county roads towards Chicago, they broke into several homes in the area and started a few fires, but none of the crimes had been published in the media. Loeb desired to commit a crime that would create a huge buzz. How about an abduction or maybe some sort of homicide. After plotting their plan through the winter, in May, they were actually able to kidnap somebody, somebody who was a, a young person from a wealthy family, whom they knew would probably pay the ransom. Following the abduction, they were able to care for the boy, but something must have happened that led to the boy's demise. When the two returned to the city after disposing of the body, Leopold dropped the ransom letter into a postbox, giving false hopes to the city that the young boy was still alive. However, their plan to execute the perfect crime failed. The following day, a passerby spotted the corpse. And as soon as the police traced the corpse, they were able to trace Leopold by finding the eyeglasses he actually dropped near the body. On May 31st of that year, 10 days after this horrific event, both young men came clean and revealed to the state attorney how they had slayed their victim. Nathan Leopold confessed that they had done this crime only, quote, for the thrill of it. At the time of uh, this atrocious act, Richard Loeb and Nathan Leopold were 18 and 19. They were sentenced to 99 years in prison. In 2007, ABC News reported on a series of ominous, precise, grave threats made to different families via cell phone calls. The families claimed that the calls, which threatened to slay their children, their pets, and their grandparents, came in at night anytime. According to one family, the caller seemed to know when the kids left for school and when they were home alone. Families also receive voicemails with recordings of the private conversations. Somebody had been watching all these families. Somebody had able was able to tap into these families, and somebody had a track record of their kids, their schools, and their schedule. According to the victims, the callers was aware of every single one of their activities, even what they were wearing. The family of Kearney... Kirkendall, 16, said that her cell phone started sending text messages to her friends by itself in February, which is when the family's problems began. The Kirkendall's family also reported a call having scratchy voice threatening to, quote-unquote, slice them, which continued for months later. Another victim reported receiving a call from an unknown caller saying they preferred lemons when the woman was slicing limes at the same time in her kitchen. The police were never able to find the perpetrators. RJ Rambrod, thank you, buddy, for posting that. Appreciate you. Hope you guys are enjoying these Strange Days Live scary stories. I think this is going to be the format for a few days or weeks as 
I don't really have a lot of time to do research on topicals. And as you all know, my main uh, point of this uh, channel is to do two things and two things only. One is to have a legit live call-in show, a la Art Bell. And the second is to have a channel where I can interview people. In regards to the interviews, I've already reached out to several prominent people in the paranormal community, and I'm waiting for their feedback to schedule a date so we can have interviews, because I really, really enjoy interviews. And number two, it's up to you guys, my listeners, to uh, start calling in or just recommending the channels for other people to call in. I know it takes a while to grow a channel, and I'm patient. It's only been uh, three months or so. And I have a good community. Uh, I have a good amount of listeners to the shows, pre-shows and archives. But, you know, that's what my dream is. So I think uh, what would work for me is to do scary stories. And once in a while, I'll do a topical show if I have time to delve uh, in depth. Oh, excuse me. I feel that a lot of topical shows out there uh, do a much better job than I ever could. And most of these topics have already been covered ad nauseum. So I can only give a little skim of uh, what you can find, you know. So I think I, you guys are better served with uh, scary stories, phone calls, interviews, and one day live calls. Okay. With that being said, uh, Mr. RJ Ramrod uh, was able to post the YouTube channel that uh, has all my old Arbeld archive stuff. I'm uh, slowly posting them back up for your listening pleasure. Uh, as you know, this channel was originally dedicated to all things Arbel, and then this uh, Colin show uh, took over. And for copyright issues or not to get in trouble with YT, I decided to remove the Artbell content and just focus on my own content. But I know that people love Artbell and they want to listen to his stuff. So I created another channel. And that is, uh, if you want to find it, it's at youtube.com forward slash at Gold, just like RJ Ramrod posted it. Go ahead and join that channel and give it a like so it starts getting some exposure. Um, and I'll try to find the weirdest things on our bill that I can to make that a, a nice channel. Okay, I'll continue doing some scary stories. Uh, give me one second. Sorry, guys. I had to tell the family to be quiet a little bit. They have, um, there's three girls in the house, counting my wife. And they're a little bit girly. <laughs> Let's put it to you that way. So I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want any noise to seep in through the channel. Okay, so let's see here. All right, so we're going to go back to our scary stories. Are you guys enjoying at least the scary stories? If you do, just please post in the comments section that you like the scary story format. And uh, maybe you have a, a scary story you want to share. Let's see. All right, so that's done here. 
let me have so many tags open here we go all right the milwaukee cannibal between 1978 and 1991 american american serial killer and offender jeffrey lionel domner well no i'm not gonna talk about jeffrey domner that's already kind of public knowledge Okay, let's talk about haunted Elsa dolls. The creepy old-fashioned porcelain dolls with a Victorian appearance, red lips, rosy cheeks, and blue eyes, referring to Annabelle, may come to mind when one thinks about haunted dolls. However, it is unlikely that anyone still keeps one in their house. Unless that house is the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut. Disney's Frozen Elsa doll given as a 2013 Christmas gift in the Houston region made headlines when it appeared to start acting paranormal. For two years, the doll was working as it was technically supposed to, reciting phrases from the movie and singing Let It Go when a button was pressed. But in 2015, things got weird. It started randomly alternating between English and Spanish languages. The woman who purchased the doll claims that even if if the off switch was turned into the off position, the doll would start speaking and singing randomly. In December of 2019, the family closed uh, chose to rid themselves of the Elsa doll. Despite tossing it in the garbage, the family eventually discovered it hidden inside a bench in the living room weeks later. Following the discovery, Elsa started to speak and sing solemnly in Spanish. Soon after, which the family made another attempt to scrap the Elsa doll, the doll was double-bagged and put at the bottom of the garbage can this time, which was soon picked up by the local waste collector. Then the family left for a trip, but when they were back, the haunted doll was waiting in their backyard. In their last attempt, the family sent Elsa through the mail to the Minnesotan family mentioned above, who fastened the possessed doll to the front bumper of their truck. According to the woman's most recent update in October 2020, the doll still had not returned to Houston yet. Around 1980, a single mother of a toddler, Dorothy Jane Scott, started getting threatening phone calls at work. She paid the calls little attention until one night when the ominous voice on the other end of the line instructed her to look outside. On her car's windscreen was a single withered rose. The stalker would alternate between declaring his love for her and making threats of physical harm. The caller's voice sounded very familiar, but Dorothy could not place who it was, and she never got to find out. At a staff meeting, Dorothy noted that one of her co-workers appeared unwell. She and another co-worker took the man to a neighboring hospital. Dorothy went outside to the parking lot while her two co-workers waited for their prescriptions to be filled. Dorothy was never seen again after that. According to a co-worker's testimony, they went outside to meet her in the parking lot, but she never showed up. They suspect a problem had occurred when her son, when they spotted in her car, rushing away as soon as they left the building. Neither her son nor anyone else ever saw or heard from Dorothy again. Her burnt remains were discovered, sadly, at a construction site four years later. 
The discovery of a collection of dog bones next to her remains added even more confusion to the case. No one has ever been found guilty or detained on suspicion, and the caller has never been located. Wow. Hey, Brad, how are you? Good evening, everybody. Cheers from Los Angeles, California. How about wet fornia? Is it wet enough for you? Hope you're marked. I find it kind of weird, but uh, a lot of people mark themselves. They're marking themselves as being uh, safe from the <laughs> from the rain. I find it silly. I mean, yeah, rain is bad, but you know, it's not it's not as bad as like an earthquake. How do you mark yourself safe? Like, I have a bunch of people in LA area. They're like, Joey marked himself safe from the local storm. Brad Pitbull, did you mark yourself safe on your Facebook account? I know you're from the LA area. We just got a little bit of rain. All right. So I think, given the new format, um, I'm probably going to go for a few more uh, scary stories, and then we're going to call it a night. For those of you uh, joining later, uh, er, joining at a later time, which is now, I thank you, first of all, for listening. Second of all, I'll give you an update uh, on the on a new channel that I created. It's at uh, youtube.com forward slash at Art Bell Gold. And in that channel, you're going to be able to find all the old Art Bell stuff that was once posted in this channel. So I'm putting back the archives up again. <clears throat> Second thing is, um, like and subscribe the videos, they're helping. And uh, if you know of anybody that would like to be on the show, to be interviewed, uh, go ahead and hit me up. I'll get some people, some cool people to be interviewed for your pleasure. Next story is called The Corner. I used to work in a hospital in the IT department, and we did a number of overnight rollouts as well as on-call work responses when issues used to occur overnight. Many things happen or appear to happen at this local hospital, but the thing that struck me the oddest was when I was the coroner running at a full speed, was when I saw the coroner of the hospital running at full speed down the corridor in the opposite direction towards the morgue. This guy, an older guy in his 50s or so, was going at full speed. I have never seen him above an ample brisk walk before but this time he was going for gold as i got closer to uh as he got closer to me he yelled out of the way i got another live one i'm not sure what was more disturbing the fact that he was dealing with uh, what i can only assume uh, mispronounced deceased body that was now alive or the fact that he said another man wouldn't that be a weird thing i know uh you know, in order for you to be able to pronounce um, someone deceased, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you got to kind of go through and check prior to you pronouncing somebody death, uh, dead. And um, I don't think that this hospital was up to par you know, there's reflexes. Uh, when I've uh, declared people deceased, you know, there's 
what I used to do actually, uh, first thing I would be, obviously you feel, uh, you got to feel for, um, you got to feel for a pulse, right? You feel for a pulse and then you get your stethoscope and you listen to the heart. Okay, that kind of tells you that there's no heartbeat. And then what I would do, I would grab their head, okay? And if their eyes are open, you would uh, you get it easy because then you're able to move their, eye, their head from side to side. And what happens when somebody is diseased, their eyes roll along with the head. Like if somebody's still alive, they look straight, and then when you move the head to the left or the right, their eyes would stay straight, and then the head will move. But when somebody is diseased, their eyes move along with the head, and that's very hard to do if you're trying to fake death, uh, fake. You know, if you're trying to fake that somebody's dead, it's hard for you to kind of. If somebody grabs your head and then move it to the left, it's hard for you to keep your eyes to go along with your head. And that's called the doll's eye effect. So if you have a doll and you move a doll to the left or your right, you see how the eyes don't move, they just kind of stay in there. That's a way to, to kind of test people for, uh, to see if they've been deceased. Another thing that we used to do in the hospital is you shine a light in their eyes and obviously there's no reflex in the pupils. That's another clue that the person is diseased. And um, the other thing that I would do, I rub on their sternum, which is the bone in between your chest. I would rub on that thing hard, hard, hard. And if I didn't get any winces, uh, all those things together, I would, uh, I was able to then call it uh, that the person was indeed diseased. Lack of a heartbeat, no pupillary light reflex, doll's eyes reflex, lack of uh, wince at a sternal rub. And, uh, yeah, those were things to consider when somebody passed away in order for you to be able to like truly call it uh, a deceased patient. And I got to call a few of those, and sometimes the patient had passed away maybe like two minutes before, so they were still warm, which was always sad. Uh, sometimes the patients would pass and uh, their eyes would remain open or their mouth would remain open. And so that you have your family members there at the bedside crying and you have to kind of make them pretty, if you will. So you have to close their mouth. Sometimes the muscles are already stiffened. It could be a mess, folks. Um, but we do our best and we try our best. <clears throat> so let's go on here with some more scary stories for today. Um, where could I look? Okay. Still, I think I want to do probably one more and then we'll call it a night. All right, the ghost of La Parva ski resort. Throughout Latin America, you'll hear variations of the story of La Llorona which is supposedly be the body of or the ghost of the spirit of a lady who uh, would cry missing her children. Let me go La Llorona here for all you gringos in the house. 
Because I mean, if you're a Spanish speaker, you know who La Llorona is, right? At least we hope you do. La Llorona, the crying woman or the wailer, is a vengeful, a vengeful ghost in Latin American folklore who is said to roam near bodies of water, mourning her, her children whom she drowned in a jealous rage after discovering her husband was cheating on her. So that's La Llorona, okay? So throughout Latin America, you hear variations of the story of La Llorona or the wailing woman. Sometimes uh, in the story, she lost her husband. Sometimes she lost her children. Sometimes it's both. But in La Parva, a ski spot in the Chilean Andes, the wailing woman is named Lola. And everyone in the area swears they knew her before she died. A local restaurant owner said that he actually dated her in the past. Bro skier Drew Tagby says, adding that the ski patrol he heard the story from pointed at exact hut where this tale takes place. The story starts on a nice day in peak ski season. Lola and her young son plan to spend the day on the slopes. And as can happen in the Andes, a thick fog rose up from the valley, which often perceives the arrival of a real storm. The clouds enveloped the two as they were making their way down from the top of the mountain, and they lost contact with one another. The Tafki says. Desperate to find her son, Lola began screaming his name as she ran through the thick fog. Unable to see clearly, though, she stumbled down a steep slope and began sliding toward a rocky boulder. By chance, a local lift operator who was returning to his cabin came across her body. He was afraid she was dead, but on closer inspection, he found that she was still alive, but just barely. Her body was covered in lacerations or cuts from sharp rocks, and the only word she said in the fainter whisper was her son's name. The lift operator worked to carefully pull her body to his cabin, which was just up the hill. He was able to bandage her cuts the best he could and then ran to fetch the doctor. Together, the doctor and the lift operator made their way back to his hut. The fog was still hanging very thick in the air. When they both arrived, though, the bed was empty. Just the bloody sheets remained behind. Neither the woman nor her son were ever found. But local reports hearing her wail for her child whenever they near the lift operator's cabin. And here's the thing. Tapke does not believe in ghosts. Sometimes, however, changes when he arrives in Chile each winter. Maybe it's a fact that from La Parva, you can see up the Cerro El Plomo, an Incan child sacrifice site. Maybe it's because Mr. Tapke has simply read so many magical books by the author Gabriel Garcia Marquez. But sitting alone in his cabin in the Andes with the wind whipping and the candles flickering, he swears that every now and then he could he couldn't just tell if he's hearing a woman or it's just the wind. Already. All right, folks. Well, I thank you uh, for joining us for another episode of Strange Days Live on this beautiful February 6, 2024. Title of the chapter is called Scary Stories 1. I plan to do a lot of these until we get the show up and running into the format that I foresee it. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, RJ. Thank you, Widow. Diggs, thank you for joining us. Micaela, JD, thank you guys for always being faithful listeners. I wish you guys the best. God bless you. And I'll see you tomorrow for another episode of Strange Days Live's Ghost Stories. Bye-bye.